The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Keep Leading Live. And today we are streaming live on YouTube and Facebook, as we're going to do every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. The Keep Leading Live stream is just like the Keep Leading Podcast, dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of executive and leadership coaching, professional speaking, and facilitation. When I saw the topic that my guest and I would discuss today, my mind went back to my childhood. I remember growing up and watching the original Superman starring George Reeves. And it looks like my guest remembers that as well. (laughs) Uh, As kids, we love to recite the opening words to that series that ended with the phrase, he fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. My guest today has spent 15 years researching truth, justice, and purpose. These are core human values that are applicable across the globe. His study of over 3,200 leaders will be shared in his upcoming book, To Be Honest, Leading Through the Power of Truth, Justice, and Purpose. My guest today is Ron Carucci, Ron has helped some of the world's most influential executives tackle challenges of strategy, organization, and leadership. He's a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review and Forbes. His work has also been featured in Fortune, CEO Magazine, Business Insider, MSNBC, Inc., Business Week, Smart Business, and so many others. I am super excited to welcome the amazing Ron Carucci. Ron, welcome to Keep Leading Live. Eddie Turner, so great to be with you. Great to see you again live. And can I just say how impressive it is to me that you, during a pandemic, get up every day and put a beautiful shirt and tie on. <laughs> I watch you every day. I'm thinking, how does he do that? I don't, I don't, I haven't put clothes on. I can't remember how long. And you always look so beautiful. So you are my, very kind. I, 
You're very kind, Ron. Thank you so much for saying that. What else did I miss? What can we tell my listeners about you, those who are listening to us live right now? So I get to spend my days uh, as managing partner and co-founder of a firm called Navalent. Uh, We're a boutique consulting firm that works uh, in the areas of strategy, organization, and leadership. And we get to roam the hallways of all kinds of organizations wreaking havoc and helping transformation happen and loving executives through very disruptive times. Wreaking havoc and making things happen. Sometimes that's the way to create new, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's the job. It's the role you find yourself in. It's the role you find yourself in, to be sure. And we want to share with those who are watching us live that feel free to let us know you're here by saying hello. Uh, share your comments with us. Share your questions. I have several for Ron as we go along, but we will absolutely uh, take your questions as well. I want to share something with everyone. I want to share with everyone a little bit uh, about my friend Ron. Uh, we got a chance to know each other in what now seems like it was a million years ago mm-hmm. and something that we didn't know how important it was going to be, but we certainly know now. Ron, I'll let you talk about uh, what I'm sharing here right now. So, yeah, we got to meet uh, in San Diego at a conference of our colleagues uh, in the Marshall Goldsmith 100, uh, a set of coaches and executives and leaders and thought leaders from around the world who come together uh, in the service of, oh, yeah, that's, that's Alan Mulally. Anyway, so Eddie and I got a, there's a selfie version of it somewhere, but this someone else took a kind picture of the two of us. See, and look there again, Eddie, look how dapper you look. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're always camera ready. Uh, anyway, so this was a wonderful weekend back in January, which you're right, seems like about a year ago. Yes. Uh, together to learn and grow and enjoy each other's company and share our ideas and hope for the great things we want to do together. Yes, indeed. And because all that was before uh, the pandemic has struck us, we'll never be able to stand that close together again, will we? <laughs> but yeah, good times. And, and even more so since we since we were able to uh being together in person at the Marshall Goldsmith 100, which we should tell everybody, you remember the Marshall Goldsmith 100 coaches. Uh, that was a big event with Alan Mulally, you referred to, the CEO of Ford. And he had spoken to us that day. Just an yeah. amazing uh, uh, speech that he gave to us that actually has set us to the path we're on now with our uh, weekly uh, coaching program that we're piloting that will show up in the next book he had Marshall produce. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about this amazing research that you've done. You've spent 15 years researching honesty, justice, and purpose. I mean, that's just staggering to me. Tell us us about that. So the 15-year longitudinal study was accomplished over 15 years of data. We didn't necessarily do it in 15 years, but it was... So our last book was called Rising to Power, and it was based on a 10-year study. At that point, we had 2,700 interviews in our database to look at why do executives fail? Why do we keep putting people in positions where uh, within 18 months, they're no longer able to perform their jobs? So that was our book, Rising to Power. And we thought, what else could that data teach us about organizations and systems? What else could we learn about the conditions under which leaders are being asked to lead? So at 15 years, when we then had 3,300 interviews, we went back to that data, and we used some really cool AI tools we used, IBM Watson and some other algorithmic tools. And this time, we went uh, into the data, and rather than giving it some hypothesis to go looking for, we said, let's let, let's see how intelligent the artificial intelligence really is. Let, let's let it tell us what we should be looking for. And certainly enough, it began to show some incredible correlations between uh, aspects of an organizational life 
and whether or not people would behave honestly and justly. That's quite uh, impressive. And, it, and what it really correlated to us, because everybody's everybody's wanting purpose today, right? It's people, yeah. everybody's purpose washing their organizations to make it look like they have purpose. But the reality is that strongly correlated to purpose are telling the truth and doing the right thing, you know, justice and purpose. And without them, uh, w- without honesty and justice, you can't have purpose. They all, there are three parts of the same coin. So we learned that there are four conditions that will predict whether or not somebody will behave honestly and justly. Um, so let me tell you what those are. The first was strategic clarity, meaning are you who you say you are? We all have statements about our organizations. We have brand promises. We have mission statements. We have value statements. We have all kinds of declarations that tell the world who we intend to be. But if our actions and our words are not perceived to match, meaning our employees don't see them that way or our customers don't see them that way, um, if, if I cannot locate my own individual sense of purpose in the story you're telling about yourself, you are three times more likely to have somebody lie, withhold the truth, or behave unjustly. Um, so Isn't that interesting? Huge risk. So let me uh, just uh, say, first of all, I'm, I found it awfully cool <laughs> that you use Watson for this. I thought Watson was only used for playing chess. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's saving people in countries. It's saving people on, on operating tables. It's teaching us extraordinary things by how by the tetrabytes of data it's analyzing. It's a phenomenal. It's actually a little bit creepy. Frankly, it's a little scary. No, it, yes. It read all 3,200 interviews and actually told us what it, they meant. And it wasn't just a, a word search. It really is assigning deep meaning and then cor- correlatable statistics to the correlations it finds. It's it's kind of creepy, scary. In a, no, in a no. Indeed. And I say that facetiously because that's the power of Watson, right? The fact that unlike uh, previous systems, it has the ability to learn on the fly. And so you were able to use this as a part of your research. And I find that very impressive. Yeah, and I, and, and, exciting. And I love something else that you said, Ron. You said without honesty and justice, you can't have purpose. So when you have, so in the first finding I mentioned uh, on strategic clarity, when there's duplicity Mm -hmm. in the organization, when there's a sense of we say one thing, but we do another, you've now conditioned everybody to assume that's what success means. We say one thing and do another. No one is going to feel a sense of purpose in their work if they're having to hide who they are or be somebody other than who they say they are. Um, So um, the other finding was accountability. So... um, when your accountability systems, how you measure contribution, not reward it, but measure it, are seen to be unfair or unjust, um, you are three and a half, you're four times more likely to have people lie and withhold the truth. No, no sense of purpose when I believe my contributions aren't being seen the way I, I meant for them to be seen and, and in a fair way. Um, decision systems, governance. If your governing systems are not seen to be transparent, meaning I have to go underground to get information that I need to make decisions or the information I get to in my role, I'm given the accountability but not the authority. Um, you're three and a half times more likely to have people lie or behave unjustly. And lastly, one of the most surprising was unity. Working across the organization, if you have border wars, if your silos are such that between sales and marketing or between operations and finance, you have the classic border wars where there's that much fragmentation in your organization, um, you're six times 
more likely to have people lie or behave unjustly because when you fragment the organization, you fragment the truth. Now we have dueling truths, right. which means I have to be right, you have to be wrong. And statistically, what was scary about the data, Eddie, is that it's cumulative. So if you have a lack of strategic clarity, if your accountability is seen to be unfair, if your governance processes are not transparent and you have border wars, you're 16 times more likely to find yourself on the cover of a New York Times story in a scandal hmm. you never wanted to be in. So is, is that something? It's profoundly insightful data because leaders can act on it. You, they're, they're, they're all very fixable situations. And, you, and the good news is our statistical models told us you don't have to be perfect. If you improve your strategic clarity by 10%, you can have an enormous increase in truth-telling. So the goal isn't perfection. It's better. So now we, we think about you know, the, the question of today is what is truth, right? I think we have done a great disservice to people, Eddie, by telling people that speaking your truth mm -hmm. is the same as speaking the truth. Yes. <laughs> and they're very different things. Yes. Um, we've taught people that by being outraged and be, be, by being uh, angry and uh, speaking truth to power, uh, by do donning the posture of a big middle finger, really, um, that somehow that makes it truthful. Um, it's perfectly okay to have a very strong opinion about something or to feel very convicted about something. Mm -hmm. But when we conflate it with the truth, um, we, we dangerously blur the lines of what honesty really means. And I think that's something we have to correct. We've liberated a lot of voices who've been oppressed, and that's mm -hmm. important to do. But we can't tell those voices that because you say it, it makes it so. So what can leaders do to uh, be catalysts for bringing this into their organizations? First one is talk about your statements, right? So put your, push your statements of identity on the table, your mission, your values, your brand promises, and ask your team, are we living these? Mm -hmm. Are there any places where we're behaving in ways unintentionally that contradict us? Um, talk about your governance processes. Ask people, do you feel appropriately connected to the decisions you're being asked to contribute to? Do you feel empowered? Because a lot of leaders, you know, you and I grew up in the, 70s and 80s when empowerment was a new movement and it, and it was a good intention right we thought that what that meant was include people in the decisions that affect them well yeah. what it became was full inclusion right i don't really want to give up control as a leader but my goal is to make it look like you're involved so <laughs> how many you can ask anybody that you consult to how many of you have ever gone into a meeting where the the decision that you're there to make looks like it's already made you know within four seconds that the problem you're there to solve is this is just the ruse it's orchestrated theater. Well, don't do that. Really ask people, do you feel appropriately involved in the decisions that you're being asked to make? And do you feel like you have access to the information you need to do it? Do you feel like your contributions are fairly judged? Do you feel like I understand um, what's expected of you? Um, and then lastly, ask yourself, who are the critical stakeholders in our organization that depend on us as a team? And who do we depend on? And what's our relationship with them like? Every team has a they oh, they're here again, or they asked us again. Well, if you have a rival or a nemesis inside your company, that's wrong, right? That, that fragment is costing you. There's a, there's a price tag to the fact that you have to make them a they and make them wrong so you can justify being right. Uh, and every amount, of, every amount of energy you spend on winning against that rival is effort you're not using to compete against your real competitors. Absolutely, so, because you create those factions internally where you should be one team. You've you've uh, broken everybody up, and you cohesion. can't fight. You, yes, your job is to build bridges, not separate the make the fragments worse. And so, 
just ask the question. Just simply bring your team together and have a conversation around how will we do? Do we have any risk uh, of dishonesty? Do we have any any sense that I could creating I could be creating conditions under which you decide that telling me the truth uh, is too risky for you? I think the we have. Um, I, I would love to find a way to disaggregate courage and truth telling. We, we, we talked about you know, that uh, psychological safety requires that people have the courage to say what's on their mind or offer radical ideas. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I get why people perceive it to be a risk, Eddie, but I think the risk is that if we can continue to tell people that it requires risk to tell the truth, we're inferring that it's safe not to, that your safer moment is to not be honest, that holding back, not doing what's right is better, and it's not. Um, here's a very simple litmus test as a leader you can tell If somebody is not coming into your office or into your Zoom room these days, two or three times a week, regularly telling you something that that you find uncomfortable to hear or about your leadership that could be better, you can be very confident that your leadership sucks. (laughs) That's the one thing you need to know. If you're not having people regularly come to you with difficult information, that's the only limit test you need. You, you, You have to assume... Your leadership is ineffective. Well, that's you can't put it any plainer than that. Well, thank you very much, Brian. Well, we've got two people tuned in on Facebook Live and about four people tuned in on uh, YouTube. So we want to say hello to those viewers and welcome them to drop any comments or questions they have at this time for Ron. And what we're going to do here is just do a, a brief insert for the for the audio version of this that will be coming out in about a month. I'm talking to Ron Carucci. He is a best-selling author, two-times TEDx, two-time TEDx speaker, I should say, uh, a Harvard Business Review and Forbes contributor, and one of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 coaches known as the MG100. But we'll have more with Ron right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Whitney Johnson, host of the Disrupt Yourself podcast, and you're listening to the Keep Leading podcast with Eddie Turner. We're back, and I'm talking to Ron Carucci. He is a best-selling author, two-time TEDx speaker, Harvard Business Review and Forbes contributor, and one of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 coaches. And we are talking, and I should show this by the way, talking about leading with honesty and purpose. Uh, wow, what a what a, a subject that I think is good at any point in history for us to talk about, but certainly today, a lot of discussion about that, a lot of headlines across the globe. Uh, so I, I know this is a subject that's going to resonate with a lot of people, and you've done a lot of research uh, that really validates your findings. You know, Eddie, I, I think one of the things that was so moving to us in the, re, in the in the interviews was the painful stories, the painful stories of leaders saying things you know, like in one large consumer products food company 
head of strategy was talking to us and he said they had just gone through a failed merger. It was a, it was a, I mean, one of those catastrophic failures that you have sort of have to hide your head when you look at $4 billion acquisition. And he said, you know, Ron, if, if we're honest, notice the qualifier, right? If we're honest, right. we knew it was going to fail. We knew that we didn't have the capabilities to make them successful. We knew that that they, while they would be great in our portfolio, we wouldn't be great for them, but we were desperate. We're losing our way. The food industry is falling apart. We're, we, we haven't kept up and we were desperate. So we're grasping at anything. And then he said the telling words to me, he said, we, we don't know who we are anymore. So we're making things up. How many, how many leaders are in positions where out of their own desperation, they just can't tell the truth to each other. And I thought to myself, I've done thousands of these interviews where we become the priest where people tell you things that about their right. boss and themselves. But I thought, gosh, he can tell me now, but why at the moment when I counted most, couldn't they tell each other how they all felt? And I think um, we haven't made honesty. We take it for granted. You know, we all have integrity on our value statements. We all have it in our, we have our ethics compliance policies. Mm-hmm. But, we, but in a day where the truth seems to be so elusive, where fake news and dueling facts and it's no longer about whether or not you have information as power. It's whose interpretation of the information wins, right? Yes, unfortunately. How, how can we make honesty more a badge of honor? How can we make it expected? How can we make it noble again? Um, it's, it's a te- honesty is a team sport. It's not an individual attribute. It's a collective capacity. Uh, and if our environments don't cultivate it, the default mode is deceit. And I think we can do better, don't you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to have you on to talk about it, because we want to get those strategies. So we look forward to getting those strategies in your uh, upcoming book uh, that covers this and reveals your findings in more detail. Mm-hmm. Also, you are an author of eight other books. And I just find that just fascinating. And I want to just share with my audience very briefly here for a moment. And if someone is seeing you for the first time, they would love to be able to pick one of your books. I know it's like asking them to pick your favorite child, but which which book should they start with? You know, I think the last one, which is the first one there on the left, Rising to Power, um, I think um, it's it's the 10-year prequel to the book I'm writing now, and to, and to be honest. But I think it, it it's a great look at what does leadership today look like. What, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 10-year study on what set apart the most successful executives from those that failed. We've known for more than 30 years uh, that more than half of leaders, would, as they ascend into higher ranks, fail in the first 18 months. And that's been okay. I mean, obviously, recruiters love it because it's an annuity for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but what we're taking these otherwise promising women and men and setting them up to fail, how can we stop that? So that was a sort of a almost a cause-driven book for us to say, we can stop this. We can, we can stop putting men and women into positions where they're set up to fail and help them succeed. And so we sort of set out on this mission to turn over every landmine we know they're stepping in. And the great news about the, the research was that we were able to isolate, well, if half of them are failing, what are the other half doing? Mm-hmm. What are the ones that are sticking in the landing and thriving at higher altitudes actually doing to be successful? And the research um, and the book isolates what those are as well. So it's a great blueprint if you're making a, an ascent to a higher altitude in your organization. It's a it's a our, our companion guide to you to make sure that you don't get altitude sickness and that when you get up there, you uh, you can thrive and succeed in the role you dreamed of. Excellent. So that'll be a good one for them to start with. And uh, I want uh, my listeners, to, viewers to know also something else about you. 
uh, not only are you uh, author of eight different books, but you are a prolific author or producer of content. And when I look at so many of the things you've written, uh, we talked about earlier just some of those places, but I want to share just a few titles that folks may find interesting. How Great Leaders Persevere When Things Are in Shambles. You wrote that in February for Forbes, February 2020. March 2020 for Forbes, you wrote the article, Finding Hope in the Face of a Pandemic. Your June 2019 HBR, I think is fascinating. How to Work with Someone Who Thinks They're Always Right. <laughs> and also how to make your leadership team absolutely exceptional. I just read four, but you've produced literally hundreds of these in journals everywhere. It's, um, you know, I, I thought leadership is a new muscle for me, Eddie. It's, uh, um, I've always written, but you know, you know, in our field, um, there's a lot of people doing what we do. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of people doing what we do. And when the naked eye is trying to pick, um, how do I choose who to ask for help from? Um, part of the way we have to stand out is to make sure that our ideas can resonate with them. Um, well, at first, we just have to actually write them down. And so, you know, it never occurred to me that writing was a way to help just share your ideas and, and be helpful to people. It's also a way for people who are trying to determine what's the right support for them as a consultant or a coach. Um, and one of the ways to do that is, uh, and this is a, I, only in the last three or four years I'm learning this, you have to make sure that when they, they can find your ideas, first of all, <laughs> and when, when they find them, they resonate with them. Um, That's a good point, right? It's not enough to, uh, one of my mentors, Tim Durkin, always said, you can't be the world's best kept secret. And I was. My my coach, uh, our friend, our good friend, Dory Clark, um, when she first met me, she said, well, if your goal was to be the best kept secret in consulting, you've done a marvelous job. Um, And because you and I grew up in a world where if you built it, they did come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And now if you build it, they don't even know you're, they they won't come because they don't even know you're there. Well, Dory's phenomenal. And uh, so, yeah, so that's, uh, she's, she's spot on. So she helped you with that. That's fantastic. She's uh, been an incredible friend to me the last four or five years. Um, I would have never done any of that. If you had told me five years ago that I would have done any of these things, I would have said, you're nuts. Wow. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. And I would have just thought this is just always naturally a part of who you are. So that's something else that's intriguing. I, I, we always, when we look at people like you, Ron, and your level of success, all the things you've accomplished and, uh, how prodigious your body of work is. It, we may just think it's it's always been easy. So you, you shared the situation with Dory and how she was helpful to you. But is there another part of your life where you went, wow, here's what I'm meant to do. And here's what it's going to take for me to get there. Well, I think these last five years have been a lot. I mean, I think I had to go ask for help, right? I was the executive coach and consultant being called by CEOs and big organizations to be the helper, to have the, to be the answer ATM, um, and I realized I didn't I didn't know how to do that. I was tired of working with sociopaths. I didn't want to work with them anymore. I wanted okay. to work with the good-hearted men and women who really care about their organizations and want to lead them to transformations that stick. But I wasn't finding those people as much as I wanted to, and I didn't know how to find them. And I didn't know how I didn't know how much I didn't know about not finding them, till Dory helped me realize I, I wasn't I wasn't even in the right galaxy. Wow. Um, I I was you know I I thought having ideas. You know, and just sort of having them appear on the internet somewhere was good enough. And it, you know, it's a technological science, and it's a, it's a. There's just so many aspects of what it means to be heard in a very noisy world um, of many, many good ideas and many not so good ideas. 
So it has been a grueling for almost like building a whole new set of muscles um, that I'd never had before. And so the last four or five years have been a uh, an intensive so, sort of rebirthing of my my role in the world. Um, and it's not over. I mean, I, by no means have I conquered or mastered or far from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still learning that uh, ha- having and sharing ideas that matter to people is an art and a science. Um, and, you know, there's no shortage of either in the world. And so how do you, I don't, I don't, you, we've, you and I have both met the sharp elbowed person who wants to, I don't want to be that guy. Right. Right. And so what, what is the right degree of integrity and honesty and sharing, caring ideas and getting your voice heard in a way that isn't obnoxious and disgusting? Um, I don't know that I know the answer. I don't know the answer to that question, but I think every day I'm trying to figure it out. Mm. And it looks like you've done a lot to figure it out. And we all are still learning and have a long way to go. But uh, uh, you're in the enviable position, sir. <laughs> yeah, very, very kind of you. Very kind of you. Yes. Well, Ron, I, I am so impressed with your work and all that you've accomplished and what you do. I enjoy reading your articles and following you on social media. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. Mm. You've shared a lot with us today. What would you say is the the thought that you want those who are watching this live and those who listen to the podcast version, what do you want them to take away? Um, When you have a truth that needs to be told, be more afraid of not telling it than telling it. Mm. Fear the New York times headline that you could have prevented. Um, You, 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 the world won't punish you for doing the right thing and being just, it may, you may fear that, but, but check those gremlins in your head. Um, every slippery slope of you compromise from who you say you are to who you want to be. Um, you have a leader, you have a voice, use it. Um, leadership is the ability to disappoint people at a rate they can absorb. Sometimes you have to say hard things. Sometimes you have to say disappointing truths. You can do it with compassion and love and care, but to withhold those truths is more cruel than to tell them. Yes, uh, Dr. Ronald Heifetz. That's one of my favorite quotes from him. Yes, and in in the world of adaptive leadership, one of the lessons he taught us. Well said, Ron. Well said. I I, I appreciate that. What's the best piece of advice you've ever heard or received or a quote that our leaders can use to keep leading? My mentor, she's still my mentor. She's now 80, but she's been my mentor for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And my career would have never gone anywhere without her. But she taught me early on, she said, nothing in life is irrevocable except death, um, meaning you get, you get do-overs. Okay. If you sit and worry about the chance, chances you don't take, um, you'll never learn and grow. You can get back up. You can get do-overs. Um, so take, take your shots. When the opportunity comes, you know, try. If you make a mistake, you can apologize. You can move on. You can do it again. But, but we spend so much time fearing the what if. Um, um, versus thinking, why not? How about that? Well, that is powerful indeed and something for us to consider and to keep in mind. Where can my listeners learn more about you, Ron? I'd love to stay in touch with your friends, Eddie. Your friends are my friends. Come visit us at Navalent, N-A-V-A-L-E-N-T.com. We've got lots of great resources there. We've got a free quarterly magazine. We've got lots of fun videos. Um, we have a free ebook. If you're leading some major change in your organization or you have a transformation coming up, you can find our playbook on how we do it uh, at 
navalent.com slash transformation. So that's a free resource for you. Lots of other great content, uh, blogs, videos, white papers, eBooks for you to come enjoy. So come and stay in touch with us and hang out. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Ron Carucci and also on LinkedIn. So um, stay connected. Outstanding, Ryan. So thank you. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes for everybody to be able to get connected to you and your organization, to follow you online, and certainly to be able to read your book and see the announcement. That's great, Eddie. All right. Take care, Ryan. Thank you for being here with us, a guest on Keep Leading Live. Eddie, it was such a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. You take good care. And thank you for tuning in. This is the end of this episode. Uh, We want to remind you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is activity. It's about action. It's not a garment that we put on and we take off. Leadership is something that must be a part of our core and it emanates from all that we do. So whatever you're doing, always, Keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.